you come out of the forest and see a sign that says that the town of Dworkin is a mile ahead. Oh, Dworkin was awesome the last time we were there. Super excited that we're here again. It it was awesome? Well, definitely. Uh, what was the name of that tavern we went to and almost got like the whole party sent to jail? Wait, Dworkin has been in this campaign before? This campaign? Well, definitely. Remember, we, we rescued Havamir's daughter from some nasty brigands, and he said that he, when he got his like, uh, magic shop up and running, we would have a 50% discount for life. We have got to see how that dude is doing. Uh, you know, um, on closer inspection, the sign doesn't actually say Dworkin. It says Callisto. Yeah, that kind of stinks. Oh, well, at least Callisto, the mayor, owes us a favor. Really? Callisto, too? In this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking campaign management. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And before we get started into talking about how we do campaign management, I think maybe we should take a little brief moment to talk about what campaign management actually is. And I think that when you run a campaign, there are going to be a lot of details out there. There's story arcs, individual storylines that are maybe even side quests, stuff like that, NPC names, towns that the party has visited along with like the shops that are inside. What else do we have, Danielle? Uh, well, to start off with, I would like to say um, I know that we've talked about my love of spreadsheets before. And so <laughs> campaign management is actually one of my favorite parts about being a DM. I love having to sort all of the information. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like we talked about in the intro, like where has the party gone? What what yep. did they do in those towns? Who did they meet? Who have they talked to? What do those people say? Did they promise something to them? Like a 50% discount on magic items for life? Uh, that's that's an important detail. Um, Very important. Right? <laughs> no, we're not doing that anymore. Um, what about what about if you if you've made your own custom magic item for the game, right? Like absolutely, you, you need to have all the details and information on that magic item. Not only what it does, but maybe a little bit of history on it. Where they found it? Why they found it? Does it tie into your story somewhere down the road? And are you going to forget about that? Well, and, and the important thing, I think, with the, with the magic item thing is when you give it to the player, you may not communicate all of the things that it does. Yes, and a little bit of mystery. I, yeah, I think, I, I think I've mentioned on here before the, the magic item I created for one of my games where on, on a, it, was a, it was an axe and on a hit, it had a percentage chance of releasing an angel or a demon, both of which who, who had been imbued within this weapon. And so if I didn't note that down, I would I would like probably remember that, oh, yeah, there is this thing where where something happens with this angel and demon, but I don't remember what it is. So I got to make it up. So taking note of that stuff is very important. (laughs) (laughs) When you started talking about that, I was thinking about uh, a very similar magic item that I have. But yours is so much cooler. Mine's mine spits out crocodiles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like an angel and a demon that's way more badass than a crocodile <laughs> crocodiles what it's hold thematic, on like, okay <laughs> with, with, with it spitting out crocodiles what was the name of the weapon 
Oh, so it's actually an amulet. So it's technically not a weapon, but it, okay. it like it acts upon like uh, the use. So it's kind of like a create water amulet. Okay. Um, but it has a percentage chance that when you create water, <laughs> it's just going to also spit out a bunch of crocodiles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I mean, like, there's all sorts of things. Like, I had uh, in the in the D and D campaign that I recently started, the the players were able to they went to this discount bargain bargain basement magic item shop where like all of the magic items sort of have issues, <laughs> and they didn't necessarily realize that they just know that these are really inexpensive magic items. And so at level one, they bought this magic item that. That is a is a twist on. I think there's a there's an official magic item like that. It's a hat that you can get mice out of. I've had the hat of rat in another campaign that was a little bit more in line with like reality, like what it should do. This one has a forty percent chance that when the rat comes out of the hat, it is dead. So. <laughs> 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 but it was a really inexpensive magic item. So it, it's okay. I thought it was okay. But again, if I don't keep track of that stuff, it's not going to happen. We're really getting sidetracked on magic items and, and their things. So <laughs> let's let's maybe move on. I think that historical data is super important too, right? Because as you're, if you're building your own campaign world, being able to, if you've made up history for it, being able to refer to that is important so that you're not telling them something and they're like, well, last session you said that this happened 100 years ago. And now you're saying that this happened 100 years ago. Which is it? <laughs> oh, that directly happened to me in a game. I told everybody that it happened like I, ca- I came up with some arbitrary number because I actually I had written it down, but I didn't want to refer to my note. Uh, we'll we'll get to the discussion on how we take notes later, but I didn't want yep. to refer to my note, and uh, and it completely warped the entire like scenario because I picked the wrong number, and just kind of ruined everything. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh well, then uh, that my I could talk to my uncle. He's also an elf, so he would have been alive at that time." And I was like, "Well, that doesn't work at all, does it?" Um, yeah, he doesn't so, remember anything. Your uncle's got a yeah. bad memory. <laughs> he he was on holiday at the time. Um, so and maybe even details about uh, like the climate or the weather in different parts of the world. It can come in um, super effective, super handy. And the other part of it, in in my opinion, as far as keeping that level of detail, as far as your climate, your weather, is uh, isn't so much. I'd say from the story aspect, for in my opinion. Um, but for like a reality and a believability, uh, like standpoint, I like being able to tell people like, oh, there was a snowstorm two counties over a week ago. Right. And I think it just kind of adds, adds a little bit. Well, and, and as they travel through your world, having this stuff documented means that as they go to new places, you know what to expect, you know what to tell them. And you can also seed some of this information in. Like you were talking about two counties over, there was snowfall. Maybe in this in this particular area of the world, it is a desert and fire rains from the sky, whatever. You can, you can seed that information in as you lead up to it so that when they get there, maybe you don't want it to be, to be a complete surprise because you want them to be prepped for it or have the opportunity to prep for it. And, and by, by taking notes of it in your campaign, you know what these things are and if they've been communicated. 
Yeah, if they've been communicated is a big one. Because yep. it's it's a little bit uh what's that called? Uh uh Mandela effect, right? When when everybody remembers it a different way. Mm-hmm. But then how you like wrote it down. I I mean I realize that I'm twisting it a little bit to fit what I'm working on here, but um <laughs> I've had it happen where it's like it I'm glad that I wrote it down because somehow there was a communication breakdown and everybody else remembered it different than how I said it. Yep. So um the other the other thing to kind of keep in campaign management is going to be those props, the clues, anything that you've given to the players, especially those physical things. I I think that having a record of what those things are that have been given to them because Ultimately, somebody's going to misplace it and just having a record of it so that you know that it's been given and what what it was that you can refer to later, I think is 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 important as well. Mm-hmm. And another one that uh, that I this is uh, so, so important. And it's something that I keep a full record on. And I also hand it out to new players when they join the table is a record of your house rules fully Ooh. explained fully fully fleshed out so that everybody's aware of them not only so that i don't forget them or when you have a new player join and you tell them three out of four of your primary house rules and but they're not aware of that the last f- one because you forgot the to tell fourth them. one is the most important too it's the most important. <laughs> <laughs> oh did i not tell you you can't heal in this campaign <laughs> um yeah <laughs> So yeah, house rules. Having those written down is uh, written down and uh, publicly available. I'd say. Yeah, and and I think so. We could we could talk for probably hours on the various types of data that you want to have in campaign management. But I think the important thing is, if it's happening in your campaign and if it's something that's worthwhile to remember, it should be in your campaign management. And I said worthwhile, but I didn't say to who because. <laughs> Just because you as a DM don't necessarily think that it's worthwhile to remember does not mean that your players won't. So when you evaluate whether to put something in the campaign management tool, whatever it is that you're using, I would err on the side of just put it in there. If if oh, you yeah. never use it, it just means that there's a note that you don't ever refer to. But if you I- use it and somebody asks about it 15 sessions down the road you've got the notes on it. So I, I, I err on the side of like, take more notes than you need rather than less and find out you need them. Absolutely. And as you were saying before, there's like, we could go on forever, not forever, but for a long time on all the different aspects of campaign management that there are to do. And when it comes to campaign management, if you just try to lock everything away in your head, that'll work for a bit. But no matter, like eventually your memory will fail you. Yep. And and I will say, like, I have generally a pretty freakishly good memory, and I'm not, <laughs> not bragging of myself or anything like that, but okay. I, I have I have <laughs> attempted to to do things like this uh just using my memory. And it works out for a little bit, but then it stop it's like it works out well until it doesn't work out well, is is what I'm saying. Is eventually <laughs> it will come back and, and you will have issues. I've done that before. And trust me, the moment that it stops working, you will be completely aware of that. <laughs> it, it, it stops working in a big way. <laughs> it does. You just, oh, and then it's all over from there, you know. And and I will say the other thing to, to talk about when we talk about what campaign management is, is 
to make sure that you're aware, even if you are running a pre-made campaign where you've got the books and the books tell you everything that's supposed to be going on in the campaign, it is still important and valuable to do some level of campaign management. It may not be to the same level as somebody making a fully fledged um, uh, homebrew game, but you are still going to need to do things because players are still going to go off book and do things that the written book didn't didn't plan for. DMs are still going to have to impri- improvise every so often, and you're going to have to refer back to what's happened. So even if even if everybody stays completely on the book, having notes in there about who did what and when things happened is going to be important as you move through the campaign. Oh yes, absolutely. You like even because the pre-mates they don't give you scripts for what what characters say to other characters. You know, like your NPCs right. interacting, and having a note that uh, that you mentioned, you just happened to mention as you were having fun improvising that the henchmen loved boiled stew. You know, and uh, you're like, ah, that's just role play. But then later on, your enti- your party's entire plan on breaking into this building relies on boiled stew. You're like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Turns out it is important. Well, and and like g- just tracking personalities of the NPCs because again, they give you these NPCs. They might give you a couple of personality traits, but you're going to breathe life into them. So. If that NPC that's at the bar that has the information that the party is looking for also has a thing for, I don't know, dwarves and and they 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 like to flirt with dwarves. <laughs> and and I've seen this in a game, so that's why I bring it up. If you if you on one interaction have them very, very sweet on the dwarf of the party, and in the next one they just don't pay attention to them, something is going to be thought to be up from the players. Even if nothing is up, it's just you forgot that this was the, <laughs> the characteristic you put on this NPC. Yeah, that's that's a really good note. All right. So let's maybe get into talking about the different ways to do campaign management. And, I, and when I think about it, there's really three core ways in my mind. And we're going to start with the one that's been around pretty much since the beginning of the game and that's campaign management with paper. And Danielle, I know that you are a big proponent of this, so I'm going to have you kick us off here. Yeah, so I believe that the three ways that John was talking about uh, recording all of this information, the three big ways of doing this are spiral-bound, glue-bound, and loose-leaf. Paper, yeah, I love it. Um, it, And like you said, it's been around since the beginning, obviously, not everybody had smartphones and laptops back at the start of tabletop gaming, and not to mention the fact that it is, um, what'd you say, the most cost-effective, right? Uh, yep. Unless I guess unless you own all the digital stuff already, then then there's that. Um, but yeah, so you're doing everything in hard copy format, and you can you can, I, I love paper. You can make it. <laughs> <laughs> This is the rest of the episode, folks. Just yeah, Danielle it's just, talking it's about just how me she loves gushing paper. about paper. <laughs> um, you can you can set it up however you want, and I realize that you can do some of that stuff, like a lot of that stuff, with uh, the digital bits and bobs that uh, that you can use. But with paper, you could you could fold your notes into origami. You know, it's like oh, the origami swan. That's that's that dungeon. It doesn't matter. You you can, you can literally do it however you want. 
<laughs> okay, so I have a new quest, and that is to do campaign management on origami. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a great idea, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's because if you could fold, like even like your monsters, right? So like your reference sheets for which monster. Imagine your, the look on your player's eyes when like you pull this piece of origami down off the shelf and you how unfold many, it. How many uh, pieces of origami campaign management do you have to fold to reach true enlightenment? That's the big <laughs> question. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, I can't remember. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, though. It's a lot. Um. Yeah, so like like you can do it however you want, whatever makes sense for you. You can split it up. Obviously, I I think you should probably, if, especially if you've got a bigger campaign, split it up into different parts of the campaign, right? First arc, second arc, third arc, you know, if you want. Um or different sections based off of, you know, locations, NPCs, things like that. Um something that I feel like I wish that I would have known at the start of it is like I have a printer at home. And so I can use Word or, or some other digital program, right? And so there's basic information that I want about all locations, right? I want to know uh, the name of the town, the population of the town, that kind of stuff. And when I used to do just basic loose leaf kind of idea is uh, I would write name Dworkin, right? Um, but since then, I've I've got pre-made sheets that uh, that I've built out into Word, and I just print that off because I realized that I could just type it onto the computer. But there's something about writing it onto paper and just having it there for me that it uh, it works for me. And so I've got custom pages with the fields that I want filled out on them, and mm-hmm. uh, and I can just fill them in whenever whenever inspiration strikes or whenever i need to say if the party goes into a town and uh i was not anticipating them going into this town as i give them answers i can just fill in the spots on the page right yeah and i think to to some extent um the that aspect of campaign management the taking the notes as things are happening you can still use that with with any of the other methods that we're going to talk about. I think that 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 lends itself very well because, as I mentioned before, it's not on paper, but I have a little digital note taking device, and and during the campaign, I'll write down and I'll jot down the name of the NPC that they interacted with or whatever. But because it's just so so quick, it's easier for me to jot it down than it is for me to make sure I'm on the right page of my software tool and type it in. Um, That's true. I guess you could also use, like, you could pre-write in a lot of headings on, uh, like, a rocket book kind of idea, too. Mm -hmm. So that might be a... Yeah, well, on on my digital note-taking, I can actually have, like, PDF format that I just write on top of. So it has all that form type data, and I just fill it out like that. So lots of ways to do it. Um, If you don't... uh, if, If you're not into the rocket book and the and the pre-printed um sheets or anything like that. You can you can just have a big jumble mess of papers or and just random notes strewn all over the place. That be I and don't I, recommend it. I will I will say that when I was using paper notes, this was my method of campaign <laughs> management. <laughs> I had probably four different notebooks with like various pieces of the notebooks having different things and so sometimes i actually had, sometimes i had 
a part of a, like I would have a storyline that I'd started building out and it was in one notebook. And then in another notebook, I would have the rest of the storyline that I'd written out. It was a mess. And somehow I managed to make it work. But I, I do not uh, I do not look back on it fondly, I will say. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous spot to be in when you lose the notebook and you're like, ah, it's okay. I'll just use this one and I'll remember yep. you won't you won't. You, you need to find both the books. People are gonna ask questions that the only the only answers in the other book which you misplaced two weeks ago and you haven't found since you cleaned the garage. <laughs> so- but but admittedly that is the thing that caused me to do the multiple notebooks because I had this notebook and I had started something and I either couldn't find it or I was somewhere where that notebook wasn't and I had ideas for more stuff. And so I took notes in something different. And so now I have two notebooks and then maybe it happens again. And now I have three <laughs> notebooks. And so it's just it, for for me, that was the biggest challenge with with physical hard copy um, um campaign management it wasn't the the active writing stuff and stuff like that i actually really enjoy writing stuff when when uh, it makes sense it was the having ideas on this uh, at the spur of a moment and not having the device that i'm using to do campaign management with me and like then having it spread across multiple things that's fair i uh it's definitely a hazard of of the notebook approach um, is the is the 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 multiplying of the notebooks? They they start to spawn and then and they they, they like <laughs> replicate like mimics, and you, they just like divide. Mimics divide, don't they? I could be super wrong on that. I might be thinking of something different. Yeah, they think I don't like know a how black mimics pudding. are born. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, topic for a different time. Uh, yeah, no, having the individual notebooks. I used to find that too. Uh, what I ended up doing is, I know I know it's going to sound super the exact same, but I have a dedicated notebook <laughs> now. <laughs> it's, you chuckle as soon as I say it, but what I did was I, I actually got myself a custom printed notebook. And okay. so I have, I have like a, a digital sheet, like a sheet in Google Drives. And when I do have a good idea... I make the note in there if I'm not by my actual campaign management thing. And then when I go home, I sit down behind my super awesome castle DM screen. And that's where the book lives. I never move it. It just, it always lives in the castle. So I can't lose it. Okay. So. Yeah. And so are you then basically transposing that note to handwritten in the book? Sort of. I should also note that when I have like a really great idea, I'll write a note, but the note will be like Skittle beans. And it's just like two <laughs> words. I know. <laughs> You're just like, but but it triggers the whole like memory for me and then I can go crazy on the paper. It's like that. Um, it's like that. That meme where where the, the the player's like, "Man, you you really have this whole world planned out, don't you?" And the DM <laughs> looks down behind the screen and just has a post-it note that says, "Sexy Goblin." <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like that. <laughs> but I mean, once once I like read the super super short um, note, then you know I I fill out more of my campaign book, a lot more than just sexy goblins um usually there's like at least six words after 
Um, but I, and I know it doesn't sound like it's a great plan, but it's been working great for me. And there's something mm-hmm. about working with paper and, uh, I love it. And so that's, that's the hard part is if you're going to go with paper, like a hard copy, whether, whether you're going with the spiral, the glue or the loose leaf, um, you need to have a plan so that you don't yeah. a completely lose your notes because they can just go missing. Right. And that's why my book doesn't move. It stays exactly. I don't even take it upstairs. It stays exactly where it is. Um, but you also need to find what works for you. Right. That might not work for you. What might work for you is just you have a messenger bag that goes with you everywhere and that's where it lives. And you just if you take it out, it goes straight back in. Um, whatever it is that that helps you not to lose the notes, you, you need to find that and you need to do that. Right. Um, there's so many tips and tricks on the internet. It's, I mean, it's the internet. It's, it's got everything. Right? <laughs> um, other people have lots of great advice. There's what works for one person might not work for another person. And half of one and, and some of another all blended together might be the perfect thing that works for you. But I think most importantly is don't be afraid to rearrange your plan or your hard copy, or your organization, if you have everything sorted into... Um, <clears throat> I did a big MPC reorganization once, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to have all my MPCs arranged alphabetically. So this is Tom under T, right? That's easy. But then I found out that it's easier for me to arrange all my MPCs based on their town, right? And so this is Hollingsworth, and then they're arranged alphabetically within their specific town. And then I found out that that doesn't work for me either. And so I ended up, yeah, <laughs> Nothing I ended works. up rearranging my, my NPCs. So they're actually um, arranged based off of profession. Okay. And, and that's what I found works the best for me because I do paper copies for everything. And so now all my NPCs are arranged by profession. So if I know that they're going to go talk to a barkeep... I go to the barkeep section. There's only six in there, or however many, and uh, and but I had to I had to rearrange. If you if you if you decide on an organizational process, and you're like this is this is what everybody says is awesome, and this is what I'm gonna do, and you sit there and you beat your head against the wall because every time you go to look for an NPC, you struggle because of whatever reason. Figure out what that reason is, and don't be afraid to just completely reinvent your organizational plan. Yeah, I think that that advice is important regardless of how you do campaign management. Whether you're doing paper or digital, um, having some sort of a plan for how you're going to do that is really important. And not being afraid to change it when things aren't working out is even more important. Because I, I think that when you talk digital, there there are there are a lot of options to do multiple ways of organization at the same time that make some of the decisions less impactful, like the town versus the name. Like with digital, I can do both uh, if I really want to. But I think even going beyond that, there is there is a need to take a look at what it is that you're planning to do, what it is that you need from your your campaign management, and planning accordingly. So. I think that goes for for whatever system you use. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. It's whether you're whether you're paper or you're digital, finding 
what works for you is obviously uh, ideal. Yep. Uh, and I think that if you don't allow digital devices at your table, this using paper may actually be a way for you to kind of adhere to your own rules, even as the DM set the example for the players and stuff like that. I know a lot of tables may have rules where they don't allow phones, they don't allow tablets, computers at the table. And so if that's the case, you can be like, hey, I'm in solidarity with you. I'm going to use paper. And 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 even if even if you're like Danielle, who is super into using paper, mm. that can be your 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 signal that like, hey, none of us are using these digital devices. So just get with the program. Yeah, it also makes it uh, like it, it stands out more at the table when somebody's, you know, doing it. They can kind of feel it more. Otherwise, I think people can get um, I don't want to say jealous, but like. When when you're not allowed to use something and you see somebody just on the other side of the table and they're just like yep. typing in a frenzy and you're not allowed to touch your laptop, I can see that being frustrating. Yep, I can see that. Uh, yeah. Um. I'm, so a couple other things that I like about doing paper hard copy management is uh, I think, for me at least, I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but for the way that I operate and, and for who I am, I I find it to be a massive time saver for me. Um, I can quickly jot things down, right? And I don't just mean like a general note, like Tom loves boiled stew, but I can, I can write out my ideas as fast as they're flooding into my head and just kind of like pockmark them across the page and fill them in later as, as things are happening without having to scroll up and down a document to find exactly what I need to do. The other side of that is... If I'm not working on a computer, it is a lot harder for social media to distract me. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I like about it um, is you can do, like, quick note changes. So if if everything you're doing, and I mean notes that, like, stuff that you're going to hand the players, right? So I guess that's kind of proppy more so. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but if if you've made a digital prop... I guess would be where I'm going with this. If you make a digital prop and you're going to hand it to them, um, it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to open up your editing software and be like, oh, I forgot that Bill died. And they're actually going to go talk to Grorim, right? And so you pop open your editing software and you adjust your shaders or whatever, what what have you. Um, you can just write a new one. It just sounds so much easier to me. <laughs> I don't usually have a problem with that, but but uh, like I said, everybody's got their own different uh, things that are important. Yeah, that's I, you know I I don't do it often, but there was one time I know I did it for sure where I had like this awesome prop made for them. I had a backup mostly because I made too many of something. Don't worry about it. And uh, the players they were going into it and they're like, oh, I bet it's this, and it's the classic case of the players giving me the way better idea right it was mm-hmm. so much better than what i had planned and so i immediately just my plan went over my shoulder and i just quickly wrote down a new note and yep. uh worked out way better and obviously then they feel super smart because they figured it out little do they know they wrote it um <laughs> another one for me doing paper stuff is that i've never had to worry about uppercase, lowercase, special characters, and two numbers to open my notebook. Oh, I just make my password just password. Password. <laughs> I, <should>. I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to say, you're about to broadcast that. You can't do that. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not great at remembering passwords and you know, that 10 minutes that you have to spend. Yes. I forgot my password. Yes. This is my email. Yes. I'll wait for the confirmation. <laughs> I, that drives me nuts. I can't, I can't do that. Um, so those, that's a couple of things. And then I think the most important reason, and I wanted to end on this note, the most important reason for doing a hard copy, in my opinion, for doing hard copy, paper written campaign management is simply for the love of paper. I know that I know that it's it's trees and it's not good for them, but I love paper. I love the feeling of writing on paper. I love being able to hold it in my hands. Um, I like I like the aspect that with how inundated that my life is with technology, you know, working on computers at home, my my work truck has a touch screen in it that I can play Zuma Zuma on. It's meant for driving across the country, right? And uh, <laughs> I can play video games on the console of the truck. There's so much technology and having an opportunity to kind of break away from that, break free from it. Um, I find it very rewarding for myself. And I also do find that uh, it greatly helps my own personal creativity. Yeah, I will say that even though I use digital tools for campaign management, I will still like hand write my initial thoughts on a on a on an arc or a storyline and use that as a way to jog creativity and stuff like that. And then ultimately I'll put that into the campaign management tool. So I, I definitely will agree with the value of of, of writing. Um I, for me, it doesn't have to be on paper. It, it can be writing on anything as long as it's the action of, of actually writing. So oh, that's fair. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go ahead and move on to our next type of campaign management tool. And this one is going to be general purpose software. Yes. And and so like this is going to be software that's that's really designed it's not designed specifically for being a campaign manager uh it's it's going to be designed for other things a lot of them are going to be designed for like note taking like your OneNote, evernote notable even google docs or word potentially and and so they're 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 not designed for you being a dm they're designed to, to just be a piece of software that allows you to take notes it could also be um general purpose for things like project management or Kanban boards like uh, like Trello. 
I put Asana in here. I've never actually seen Asana used as a campaign management tool. I have seen Trello, but um, potentially something like that. And I think that in a lot of ways, using digital tool, general purpose digital tools is going to be a lot like doing your physical campaign management and just putting it in digital because you've got, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with kind of OneNote, Evernote kind of things. You've got your notebooks, they have sections, you're going to put notes in those sections. And so you can kind of break it out however you want to. If you want to have a template of some sort to, to fill out the things, you can create your own template, but it's not going to come with one. So in a, in a lot of ways, there's there's a lot of parallels between general purpose software and physical note taking. And, and so if you're if you're looking at getting into digital campaign management and all you've ever done is physical, this may actually be the, the easiest step to take because it's all very familiar. It's 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 the that's roughly the same mechanism just in a digital format. Yeah, I've I I I do I think my favorite part and uh, I've tried I've tried so many times to move to digital. Um my favorite part about doing all these note taking things is control F, right? Being able to find exactly what you're looking for immediately. Yep. Um and and that works to my knowledge with all of those programs that you just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And so even if your organization is bad, you can just be like, oh, I know, well, I know that their name was uh, this, right? And you just control F or command F, I think, if you're using Apple. I don't know if Apple uh, does yes. the same stuff. Yeah? Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and just being able to type in what you're looking for and just finding it. It's like, it's kind of like magical. Yeah, and, and to what you were talking about organizationally earlier, if you wanted to search by blacksmiths, you could, if, if you have your notes set up in that way, you could search for blacksmith and it would find all your notes that have blacksmith in it. Now, it may find other things like, like a story arc where you're talking about a blacksmith, but um, you can narrow it down some. So, Yeah, that's true. And, and like paper, you've got you've got a lot of flexibility to track the information for how you want to. The the drawback here, I, I will say, is that it might require a bit more effort to get your system set up the way you want it to. Because again, not built for the purpose of doing this. You're using a tool that is a general note taking tool and applying that to campaign management. So you may have to build out your folder structure, your your um, your section structure, all of that stuff in a way that, again, makes sense for you. But again, if you're already doing this in a physical notebook, you can take a lot of that logic and apply it to these tools. So, Yeah, not to mention rearranging becomes a lot easier when you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot a heading here. Enter, enter, enter. It's a lot easier than going through the process of measuring and cutting out one-inch strips of your piece of paper and then moving everything down and gluing a new piece of paper in between. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that that something important here is that many of these apps that we've mentioned can be had for free. And Mm -hmm. some of them will synchronize between devices. That synchronization may require uh, an additional paid-for subscription, depending upon the tool. Like, I know Evernote, if you use it, you can use it with one device, unless they've changed the subscription model. But if you want to synchronize it between multiple devices, so, like, I can get my notes on my phone, I can get it on my tablet, I can get it on my laptop then you will probably have to pay for some sort of 
annual or monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, some tools may not like uh, Trello when I used it, which is which is again, it's more of a project management, Kanban, task management type system. But I did use it as a, a campaign management tool, and and I could have as many devices as I wanted to for, well, as many devices as I actually wanted. I don't know if there was a limit. <laughs> Um, and, and was able to do that. So if you're considering using tools like this, understand what your requirements are. If you want to have synchronization between devices, because again, in my mind, that's one of the biggest benefits of this other than the control F. The biggest benefit is that, that any device that I pick up, I can access this stuff and just go. If that's important to you, make sure that whatever tool you're, you're choosing has that ability to, uh, go between devices and if there's a cost associated with what that cost is and if you're okay with that. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And and anybody with a Gmail, um, I think would just by default have access to Google Sheets and Google Docs. Yep. Uh which are wonderful. Yeah, and like we plan out this show in, in Google Docs. We do all of our outlining and stuff in there, so it definitely can be used for for planning, campaign management. Again, it's a it's a little bit different way of approaching it because now you've got these uh, potentially separate docs, maybe, depending upon how you organize it. You could have everything in one doc. It could, I, I think it might get a little cumbersome after a while. But um, again, lots of ways to approach it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done exactly one campaign plan digitally. Well, no, that's not true. Two. I did one with uh, uh, like, G Drive, Google software, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I started with a Google Docs and I got it up to like 150 pages. I, I, I just kept typing things. I think it was just because it was there and I could just type and just... You and didn't I, know how to stop. <laughs> I, I didn't. I kept subdividing things and adding headers and footers and, and you know, indents and numbering and lists. It It actually got out of hand. Uh, for me, but <laughs> um, it it was great from the aspect of you you could kind of just rearrange things at a whim, right? And the bonus that it was free. The only other time that uh, I used digital stuff to plan a campaign was with uh, one of those like a program or like a, a technically a website that was specifically designed for campaign management. Yeah, so let's jump into into that. And so that would be our purpose-built software. So these are going to be software that are really designed specifically to do campaign management stuff. And there's a, there's a lot of different tools. And I, I will say I, I've done both the general purpose software with OneNote, Evernote, Trello, and I've done the purpose-built software. Um, and there, there's, there's a number of tools out there for this too. And I, we have a few here. World Anvil is one. That's actually the one that I use. Obsidian and Obsidian Portal. Um, they, they're just different approaches with Obsidian on the back end. Uh, Coda. Uh, you have D&D Campaign Planner, which is, I think, the one that you had used before. Yeah. that's. Uh, I had looked into some of the other ones that you had listed before, and I found mm-hmm. a lot of them had uh, like fees or subscriptions and... Uh, I, I ended up going with D&D Campaign Planner. Now, that being said, I ended up um, like supporting their Patreon or whatever that's called. So it ended up kind of being a subscription anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's uh, I really liked it. Um, you can there's, – there's, using something, like you said, a purpose-built, right? 
And so I wish that I was digitally inclined because working and building my campaign within the, the purpose build software was, was a very fun experience, right? Finding all of the nifty little things as, as some dungeon master out there, game master who knows what it's like and who, who is aware of what you need and what you're after. And then you find these little things. You're like, man, it'd be so cool if, oh, look, that toggle button's right there because yep. that's handy. <laughs> yeah. And so like drilling down into what being purpose built means is that is that you're going to have you're going to have templates for common types of entries locations, NPCs, items, factions, so many different types of templates. And so when you're looking to build a con- a piece of content, it, it is very easy to find something that maps to what you're trying to do. I will say that, that, that one of the challenges of these purpose-built systems is it can be a little overwhelming because there are so many things that it's doing as part of the system and so many different templates, so many different things that you can do that are under that umbrella of campaign management, it can be overwhelming at first. So there, there is a bit of a learning curve to figure it out and to figure out how to use the tool and where to go for certain things. Like the first time I used World Anvil, I was like, all right, I want to have a map on here. And so I went to do one thing and it's like, that's not where you do maps. It says maps, <laughs> but that's not where you do maps. Okay, where do I need to go? And like there was an images section. So you uploaded the image and then you went to the maps and you said, this is this image is my map. And I think they've changed it since then to make it a little bit easier there. But but just like figuring out some of the the software logic is uh, does take a little bit of learning. Um, once you're past that, it's it's very. I find it fairly easy to use. I I do all all of the things that I need to do in it, and not a problem. Yeah, that's definitely. I think probably the the primary hurdle to using something like that is it's the same same hurdle as when you when you're DMing for the first time ever is learning how to do it, yep. and so that follows with with those specific programs, the purpose built programs. Is you still have to learn how to do it. It's the same as if you switch to roll twenty right? You still have to learn how to add a creature to the map or to give them sight, right? That's the first, I, I got the subscription to Roll20. I was like, oh, this is going to be super cool. And then I uh, just, I'm just going to know it because I gave them money. I'm just going to know yeah, how to do this. It's going to be great. <laughs> and so I could see everything that I was doing, everything that I had set up, but I had, uh, I had activated dynamic lighting because I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And so I put mm-hmm. it on. But I did not know how to give all of my players sight. <laughs> Nobody can see anything. Yeah, and so they logged in. They're like, well, are you going to put something on the screen? I was like, there's stuff on the screen. And uh, no one could see it. And then I ended up spending like 35 minutes while my whole party was there. Well, who can see? Who can't see? How far can you see? <laughs> and it turned into quite quite the thing. Something I wish I would have learned before I had a whole bunch of people sitting there. <laughs> yep. But yep. It, there's a learning curve, definitely. Yeah. And, and one more thing like kind of about that that purpose built is many of these tools are going to have system specific templates. So if there are NPCs or monsters that you're using, you actually can have like for a D&D thing, you can have the the standard stat block for D&D and you don't have to worry about creating that template for it. Um, so there are like some interesting system specific things that you can do if that's important to you. 
I don't actually personally use it because a lot of my campaigns, I try to build as if they're system agnostic. So if I've got a group that wants to play D&D, I can pick up D&D and, and do the campaign. If I pick up Pathfinder, I can do the same thing. And it's just a matter of like tweaking the the monsters and stuff. But but generally speaking, the rest of the campaign is is fungible. It's 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 able to to adapt to whatever system we we want to run it in. Yeah, that's definitely one of the I thought it was like the coolest part. I I I homebrew a lot of my monsters and a lot of my items and things. But even still seeing that I could just drag over into into this this note thing that I was using, just drag over the stat block for a for a giant. Um I I didn't use it, but I thought it was just the coolest thing ever and uh, definitely helpful for somebody who, who needs access to stuff like that. So what I think the coolest thing ever, Ooh. since we're talking about the coolest thing ever, <laughs> is that I can share stuff from this tool with my party. So as we go through the campaign, they've they've discovered a location. They have some some information about that location. The location is on is on my public page that they can access. They've met some NPCs. They have some storyline information. I can have details about that there. They've had a session. I can have a session recap notes and have it on there. And all of it's accessible by the party. And and as I said, I use World Anvil. I know that several other tools will have the same sort of functionality. So for for me, that means that I can hopefully repeat myself less. That means that... Um, that the players can 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 read things in between sessions so they come to the next session with and I have to do less recap. I still do a little bit, but I have to do less because they have all the details already. And just generally I, I find that it makes things smoother. Um with with World Anvil, I can also have players create their own login for free. And with um if you if you have a paid subscription, you can also have like secrets and you can reveal those secrets to um, you can group the, the players into a party and, and reveal those secrets to that party. And so if you have multiple um, parties that are running through the same campaign, like I've done, I've done uh, one of the campaigns that I've done, I've, I've had two or three different groups run through the same campaign, um, obviously changing because they're doing different things and stuff like that. But because of that, I could I could reveal secrets to certain parties and not have to worry about, oh, these people are seeing this thing that that they shouldn't see at this point, kind of thing. So when you're when you're running the game, do you have yep. like World Anvil up on your laptop? Like, do you yes, directly do. operate from it? Yeah, uh, because so like a, a perfect example is I they're running through a dungeon right now and and. Each room has its own unique set of like sort of puzzles, sort of traps, sort of monsters, uh, depending upon the room. And so I have I have a note that I've created for myself within World Anvil that has each room. And and then on the screen on the table, I have Arkenforge displaying the table stuff. And so I, I can very easily say, OK, they're in this room. Here's my rough description for the room that I can embellish some. Here's the the things that are important that they need that like if they interact with that they can do. Um, so yeah, it's super handy for that. Hmm. 
that's that's interesting. I feel like how does it not get cumbersome to know like where to click and and how to navigate? Um, typically, what I do is is before I start a session, I will get my computer up and I will have multiple uh, browser tabs open. So like. I know they're in the dungeon and that they that they're going to be walking through this and I need to have that stuff. So I'll have that that as a tab. Um, I know that they're going to be experiencing this flashback. And so I'll have the narration for that flashback up as a separate tab. I know that they're going to have this. And so I will have a cut. And usually it's only three, maybe four tabs that, that I need to have open. Um but yeah, I, I will I will pre-open that so it's it's really just a matter and, and I'll have them in their own window. So it's just a matter of like alt tabbing between stuff and it's pretty easy to navigate. Oh, that's good to know. Let's talk about a little bit about the challenge. Um, we already talked about some of this. Being being purpose built means that there is gonna be some learning to figure out how the software developers have structured things. I think overall they do a good job of like structuring things in a way that makes sense, but there may be some things that they're doing that that it might take your brain a little bit to adjust to, um, just because I didn't expect to find that there or something like that. Just like I was talking about the maps versus the images, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say I feel like I feel like the the challenge, the question that I have, because you're using that word anvil, right? Yep. But I I do recall like looking looking it up. But it it has it has a cost to it, like a physical actual cost, doesn't it? There is a a free tier, um, and then there are there are a few paid tiers that you can do, and so the free tier comes with a variety of things, but but there are some features. Like I mentioned, having secrets that I could reveal to players as they as they uncover them. Um, secrets is not a capability on the free one. But you do have the ability to, to create content and and track it. I think that you're limited to the number of articles that you can create, but it, it's it's actually pretty robust to get started. Um, if you need more features, more functionality, then there are paid tiers. I think the the lowest paid tier right now is like fifty four dollars a year, but you can get discounts for paying a year in advance. Um, I'm looking. Uh, at at their site right now, which by the time this airs, I think this offer will expire. But right now, there is a, an offer for fifty percent off. So um, for for a year, like two dollars a month is not really all that bad when you when you think about all the other things we spend money on. Two dollars, <laughs> two dollars American. Yes, that's U.S. dollars by my best yes. guess. So that's like a hundred dollars Canadian. <laughs> 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 I traveled last year. I'm still bitter about the exchange rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also, like, if you really are, are bought into this, there is also a lifetime subscription that you can buy, and you pay for it, and you don't ever pay for it again. Um, you know, for if, you, if you're constantly, like, do you have the lifetime one? Because it sounds I, like you use this quite a bit. I just discovered there was a lifetime subscription today, and I was like, okay, I got to figure out when I'm going to have this in my budget to, to buy it. Because it's it's... It's um, it's only for the top two tiers, and there's four four tiers to buy this, and and the top two tiers obviously have the most stuff, mm-hmm. and the tier that I'm on, which is um, ninety nine dollars a year subscription, is six hundred and fifty bucks for the lifetime. So I'm like six years, six and a half years. I can I can justify that because well, I've already used it you, for. 
Yeah. I've already used it for three or four. <laughs> <laughs> so chances are you're probably going to use it for another six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. I enjoy the tool. I, I find it valuable. So I, I could see I could see doing the lifetime subscription for, for what I use it for. So. Okay. Well, that's that's super interesting. And it, it does give everybody a lot of different options um, depending on their price point, depending on their organizational style, and uh, obviously, of course, depending on how much they love touching paper. Um, yep. A lot of, lot of different choices out there for how you want to go about it, but most importantly that at some point in time, you're probably going to have to go about it. Yep. And, and I will say, like, since we were talking about costs, there are some purpose-built tools that that are free like obsidian i believe is one that that there is not a cost for um it is more of a run on your own device thing um there is obsidian portal which i think gives you some of the web features and i don't know if there's a subscription for that but all that to say there there are some tools that are out there that give you purpose built that don't have a cost obviously the the what you get from each is going to be a little different so it's a matter of finding the thing that works best for you um at or at your budget so Mm mm-hmm most definitely. So I think that's what we wanted to talk about, about campaign management. I, I will echo what you just said, Danielle. Um, if you're not doing campaign management right now, do yourself a favor and look at getting started. Even if, even <laughs> if, if, if it's just like a couple of post-it notes where you start tracking stuff, getting started is hugely important because when it fails, it will fail in a big way. Yeah, most definitely. So, anything else we want to talk about today? I think I'm all caught up. I think everybody understands now how much I love paper, and that was my main goal. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to call this episode, Danielle Loves Paper. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, good luck on your campaign management journeys, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Don't forget, next week we will have a uh, Becoming DM side quest, so make sure to come back and check that out. But until we talk next time, stay stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.